Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is the Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat not required. So we're lucky to have a great friend, an amazing storyteller, and an all-around good human as our first guest on the show. Leslie GM Girl is going to talk to us about her experience in gaming, being a DM as a woman, and maybe even give us some great DMing tips. Then we're going to have another segment of Know Your Character and the Kickstarter Roundup. But first, we're going to kick it off with what we think of TSR. So buckle up for this episode of The Dapper Meeple. Alright, so we're going to jump right into this first thing. The TSR controversy that's been going around, and the reason we're going to address it is because at the beginning of our last episode, we talked about old companies that are making a comeback in Geek, and it was G4 TV and the new TSR that was being brought back by Ernie Gygax. And we were very hopeful that uh, there were going to be some projects coming out and some stuff that they were going to produce or reproduce, um, having that license and name. Uh, we were really hoping for good things, um, which very quickly got shot down. Yeah, Ernie kind of kind of kicked us right in the balls on that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for you that may not know, uh, Ernie Gygax is Gary Gygax's son, who is the person that is credited with inventing the Dungeons & Dragons game. His company, TSR, there was a lot of stuff that went on, and we talked about that a little bit in the last episode. Uh, basically, they ended up selling Dungeons Dragons to Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, who has it now, and who have done great things with it with 5th edition. So Ernie got his hands on the TSR uh, trademark. trademark again due to licensing and legal stuff that we're not going to dig into because we're not lawyers. Uh, so he decided to start the company back, to which we were like, all right, well, you can't make another Dungeons & Dragons, but maybe you can pull something off. That'll be great. So then he goes and does an interview, and in the interview, Ernie says a lot of things that were problematic. And basically, what Ernie thinks is that he's starting TSR again to get back to the quote-unquote old-school gaming. Uh, during the interview, he talks a lot about how some people were... Uh, coming to him and saying that they have been ousted because of their, you know, more traditional views and uh, less or their less modern views. And he goes on to explain a little bit of it, like how Wizards of the Coast is running uh, the game. Right. He basically said that um, Wizards of the Coast has taken more of a high road type attitude, saying they're a better company, a better type of person than the original founders of you know Dungeons and Dragons and the way games were played before. Um, and obviously he doesn't agree with that. Um, he also went on to make a comment that um, they're drawing people in, um, you know, telling people to come be part of this new wave. Um, and he referred to it as joining um, the pack of lemmings, which, first of all, that's a myth. Lemmings don't run off of cliffs like it came <laughs> from a Disney cartoon in the 30s. You jackass. It, it all came to a boiling point then um, later on on Twitter mm -hmm. um, when uh, there was a comment that was made from the official Giant Lands, which is one of the new TSR's game products. Um, the 
comment came from the official Giant Lands Twitter. Um, Meg the Sorcerer was the uh, person who was a young trans woman. Gave them a chance, and they're like, look, TSR, do you want to comment or clarify some of the comments that Ernie made? And the thread goes back and forth a little bit, and they kind of avoid the question. And she finally comes out, and she's like, hey, just say that you know you believe in trans lives matter, trans women are women, trans men are men, and be done with it. And their response to her is, you're disgusting. Which was about where everybody was like, oh, that's pretty much settled. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a lot of the comments were very much, well, that makes an easy buying decision. I know where I don't have to spend my money now. Um, and a lot of things like that. Uh, some of the more concerning uh, things that we found doing some research of this and just kind of following along the uh, dumpster fire that it was, uh, there are a lot of people who came out in defense of TSR, which I really I, I don't understand how you defend a comment like that. Um, that seems pretty pretty straightforward about where they stand. Um, but that's that's where we are now. So that is why we are saying, in spite of the hopeful attitude we had as of recording the last episode, uh, we very quickly decided where we stand with TSR games. Right. So our bad on that one. Um, definitely not somewhere that I'm going to spend my money. It's somewhere that I'm going to encourage most people not to spend their money. And I don't see... Um, and honestly, looking at a lot of it, too, it doesn't seem to me that Ernie really knows how to run a company well to begin with. So it may be dead before it even begins. Um, one thing I do want to point out, though, is, you know, Ernie has the name. He's got the Gygax name that he was throwing around with this. Luke Gygax is his brother. And he is also the one responsible for Gary Khan in, I think it's Wisconsin. Um, and he really quickly got involved here and distanced himself from Ernie saying, Hey, that's not us. That's not what we're about. Um, he even went as far as to make a TikTok account. And the only video he has was where he was, he did a stitch, which is basically a reply to another video from Meg the Sorceress and just personally told her, Hey, this isn't what we're about. I want you to know that you have my support. You have the support of the people behind Gary Khan. Um, my brother does not speak for the family and barely speaks for TSR anymore. So I thought that was really impressive to make a positive move like that. We've talked about it and you'll hear some of it in the interview that we do today. Like the opposite of being transphobic is not not being transphobic or you know, the opposite of being racist is not not being racist. It's being anti those things and getting out there and putting up the fight. That's what we need. We need people to do things. Not just say, oh yeah, I support it. No, no, no. Actually support it. You know, Put your money where your mouth is. And we have, from our very inception, have always been of the belief that there is a seat at the table for everyone. Regardless of who you are, where you come from, what you think, or you know, anything like that. Um, all the things that society uses to separate us, we believe do not belong at the gaming table. So a situation like this, where someone is seeking to actively divide the community saying that we don't want these kind of people at our table completely goes against what we think and what we, we stand for. So uh, like I said, beginning, this is a very easy one for us. Yeah. Uh, we, we know exactly where we stand on this kind of issue. Uh, we just wanted to put something out there, uh, especially in light of the interview and the person we have today that really not only shows again, where we stand, but also, um, 
shows that, hey, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, our community is a great community. There's a lot of awesome people in the community, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, there's still a lot of people who um, don't hold views like that, like ours, that even where everyone should be welcome at a table. Yeah, there's still gatekeeping going on. There's still a lot of closed off spaces, you know, which is fine if you want to keep those and keep them out of the way. Um, but that's not what we're doing. We're opening up as much room at the table as we can. All right. I think we pretty well addressed that. Um, so we're going to go on to our interview, uh, which we're excited to have somebody come in and talk with us, give you a different perspective, and hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as we did sitting down to talk with her. Hey guys, I just want to take a second to do a quick trigger warning. Um, during this interview, towards the end of it, we do have a discussion about some more sensitive topics, um, sexual assault in games, things like that. Um, it is a brief discussion. Uh, we don't get really into graphic detail, but I just wanted to give everyone a heads up. And let's get on with the interview. So if you listen to the show at all, you have heard us talk about a lot of different things. Games we love. Uh, what brought us to this hobby, what keeps us in this hobby. Um, we've talked about some things that are the less favorable parts of, you know, things that happen within gaming. And one of the things that we've said from the very beginning is as being two straight white guys, our experience in gaming is so completely different from anybody that is a woman or a person of color or anybody in the LGBTQ plus community. Um, so I always wanted to have some people come on and talk to us and hear their voice and talk about how their life has been affected by gaming. And it's going to be through a completely different lens. So this is the first time that we've actually had a guest. So our whole purpose of this podcast from the very beginning has always been how gaming needs to be something that is completely inclusive, regardless of your background, your history, or anything like that. Um, there should be a seat at the table for each and every person to come and enjoy this hobby that we all love so much. So I think having a guest on that is completely different from us to, can bring a whole nother perspective to this hobby of some of the struggles and things that she's had to go through, some of the experiences, and just the way she sees the hobby is going to be great for us. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce everyone to Leslie, GM Girl. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to come down here and talk to us. Um, Leslie, I've known for... Uh-oh. How long have we known each other? It's been a while. Um uh... It started on our, uh, you, she was the DM for my very first fifth edition campaign that I ever played in. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, this was earlier in internet years, right? So I put a post up on Meetup. Right. Does anybody even know what that is anymore? <laughs> it's still active. Wow. But yeah, because I got, a, I got a message the other day from them. They're like, hey, are you still part of this group? And I was like, nope. <laughs> nope. I know I am not. Yeah. So I put a post up on Meetup. Actually, I. I responded to something that you had put. Yeah. That's what it was. You had posted something and you were looking for a DM and I was looking for players because I was starting to get back into the hobby. Like I've taken a couple of breaks from the hobby right. over the years and this was like after a little bit of a break 
and I was looking for players and I was like, well, where am I going to find these people? And I just, I don't know, you know, Google. <laughs> and I ended up on Meetup and, and I saw your post and I was like, okay, cool. And it was you and your significant other at the time. And, right. and I was like, well, this is cool because then I know at least that I'm sort of, because as a woman, you know, you kind of like to play with a mixed crowd. You don't necessarily want just a table of guys, no offense or anything. Nope, nope. But it's nope. Believe me, we understand. It's much more fun for us if it's kind of, you know, like yeah. uh, uh, men and women or men and women and otherwise. And so I think it's just really a great um, a testament to some of our, like, uh, optimism. <laughs> <laughs> That's- um, that we were just like, hey, you want to play? And you're like, yeah. I It was so good. That, like, because I had posted that and then. <clears throat> hadn't gotten a response on it for, oh my God, like it was like a month and a half. There was no response before you. Yeah. And then you were like, hey, I would be interested in DMing. And then the next notification that I got on it was like, there's 42 comments. And I'm like, <laughs> what the <laughs> shit? <laughs> so I finally went back and I'd ignored it at that point. I'd kind of like, ah, I'll search later, yeah. you know. Um, but I went back to it and that's where we set up a, we set up a meetup with that group yes. and like hey people that are interested we're gonna meet at this restaurant and come in yeah we're gonna meet at a public place yeah yeah not, not anyone's home and uh have a public meeting right <laughs> just <laughs> just sort of you know suss out what everyone is like and uh and so yeah we we ended up with enough people for three different groups um wow just based off of my post which was funny at the time and so I ended up just sort of strong arming two other people into also running because obviously I couldn't run. For I was going to say, we were like, hey, we've got 30 people here. Yeah. We need a couple. Yeah. So we broke into some other groups. I remember that. And yeah. my significant other at the time was like, we're with you no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I felt the same way because, again, like I was, I mean, it was by and large, mostly white men who showed up to this event. Um, there was one person of color. If I remember correctly, I, mm-hmm. and was there any other female besides? Any other was, woman? No, uh, she was the only one. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was like, okay, all right, well. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that turned out to be a great happenstance. Yes, and so Jim has been in every single one of my games since. He's not allowed to leave. Uh, I'm keeping him. Uh, so, so that has been like wonderful. And uh, and now I have met Josh, who is his brother, since he moved up here. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. Since so uh, uh, we we, I mean, you know, we have talked a little bit about like with us, like how gaming has kind of brought us even closer, you oh, know, as family. And then him moving up I here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure a big part of him moving up here because one day we're just sitting here, we were bullshitting on the phone or on Xbox or something. Was like, we should just open our own game store. Yes. It was like, yes. Yeah. And then that's, you know, two and a half years later, yeah. Yeah. we're finally geographically located in the same area. Mm-hmm. Things look like yeah. they're going to go pretty good. Um, that's awesome. So we'll see. So, yeah, that, so that was my introduction. And, I mean, I tell Leslie all the time, I've loved playing in her games. Um, I love a good story. Like... You know, the hack and slash, and some people like the combat and things like that, and that's great. But, I mean, give me a good story. Like, get me invested. Um, and it's just, it's encouraged me to make more and more outlandish characters as we go. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to see how this fits. Uh, so, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. 
So we've talked a little bit about what, what what was like for us when we first came in. Where did you start with gaming? Oh, gosh. You were a you were a LARPer, weren't you? Well, if you really want to start at the very, very beginning, <laughs> um, you'd have to go all the way back to when I was in junior high. Actually, it was probably elementary school. My brother was in junior high. He was four years older than me, and he bought the Red Box set. Right. The original. The original mm-hmm. Red Box. And he like kind of tried a little bit with me to sort of do something but he didn't know what he was doing and i think i, I mean i was obviously just too young to get it and like we didn't we just didn't know right but sometimes something like that sort of plants a seed of curiosity i guess you know that really sort of factored in and and then later on um do you remember walden books yes the glory of walden books <laughs> <laughs> I'm dating myself here. So I am I am definitely uh, solidly Gen X, just for anybody. So this I've, this has been an ongoing uh, thing for a couple of decades. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, when I was in high school, uh, just going into Walden Bucks, the smell of new books, right. going in there and like, fine. And I read mostly fantasy, some science fiction, but mostly fantasy. And so just going through those stacks and, and finding new books. And at some point in time, I ended over at the... I guess new sort of role playing section, and they actually had um, a couple of different books, but the one that really piqued my interest was um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, it was uh, Shadowrun. Okay, yeah, it was Shadowrun. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it just grasped my you know my uh, imagination and curiosity and i so i bought like the first i think i bought like a random book like it, it's not like i bought the first i was gonna say did you did you get the you didn't get the core rules i didn't get the core rules or the players ha- nothing i was some random adventure it, yep yeah, i didn't know what i was getting right i just was like i don't know this looks cool and so i bought it and i took it home and i was like oh i need all these other books to actually run this <laughs> and so i took it home and then i um i put I, I dragged some of my friends to into playing with me and I ran like two or three games uh, and they all thought I was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. It did not go anywhere. It did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Uh, but I ran like the beginning adventure where if I don't know if anybody remembers this, but you were like in a grocery store. I don't know. People were throwing food. I was like, whatever. <laughs> At this point, you're just like, I really want to get into this. I'll make it through this part. Yeah, I'll just. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was interesting, but so that was my first like sort of tabletop experience. I would say it was running Shadowrun. Um, not exactly the easiest system. I was going to say that's not into like. But back then, I don't. I don't think there was an easy system yeah, back absolutely. then either. Yeah. And so then I went off to college um, at Texas A&M and uh, I don't know, I'm sure universities still do this, but like at the beginning of the semester, they would have this big event at the student center where all of the various student associations that you could be part of, like all the groups right. uh, would have like a table. And so there were all these tables out there and um, I was I was a little, a little goth. You had one of those phases. Just a bit. I mean, like Matrix had been out, and I think I had cut my hair like Trinity and dyed it black, and I was, you know, dressed from head to toe in black, and 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 so I'm like walking along, and there's this table, and um, it was for a group of LARPers, and it was uh, 
the official fan club for White Wolf. Okay. And oh, they yes. saw you coming a mile away. Yes. And, and this, <laughs> this guy who was at the table steps out and he, he looks at me and he says, you're one of my people. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, I'm in Texas. Right. At Texas A&M <laughs> University. So, like, I'm easy to spot. Yeah. <laughs> They're easy to spot. I mean, it was like, that was how you found people. It was like, I mean, the clothes you wore and the choices you made really did, like, signal. It would, you know, there wasn't, like, there was no meetup. Right. Right. There's right. <laughs> so... What we had to do with the old fashioned way, like meet people and yeah, stuff. It was crazy. That sounds so weird. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I got involved with uh, it was called the Camarilla, which is the fan club, and uh, sounds I, a little controlling, right? Like <laughs> that's a that's a vampire joke. <laughs> Go pick up Vampire the Masquerade. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah, and so. I, I, my first LARP, I played Vampire the Masquerade. Um, I tried the other games that they played, which um, it was the um, Werewolf. The, Werewolf the Apocalypse. The Apocalypse, yeah. And, and then Wizards the what? Summoning or something? I, I never played that one, but the, the one based off the Fae. Um, I'm not gonna remember what the name uh, was. Yeah, right? I played it once. Yeah, I've, I, I can see the I can see the book in my head. Anyway, I didn't want to play any of those. I wanted to play a blood sucking vampire who <laughs> wore really cool goth clothes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already halfway there. Right, <laughs> I just right? I just really need the rules at this point. <laughs> I'm gonna buy the fake teeth. It's gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah, those you I mean you should be happy to know that like those people and those girls still around. Right. Lots of them. Yeah. Good. So they're on TikTok. If you just when you're when you're scrolling through, you get stuck. You get into D and D TikTok. You run right into them. Oh, <laughs> bless their sweethearts. I love them. Right. He's just looking back, going, oh. Oh, "Look at the kids." I love it. I love it. Mm. So yeah, so I got into it. Um, uh, I guess my freshman year, really. And after that, um, I kept LARPing for years. Um, I loved it. Uh, I had. So many friends. The great thing about the Camarilla and LARPing was that um, you were able to, you took your character and wherever you went, you were able to take that character and play it. So it was a unified storyline over the world. It was a worldwide game yes. at that point. Like there were chapters in Europe and there were chapters all over the US. I couldn't tell you all the places there were chapters because I wasn't really focused on the national game that much. I was more focused on like the regional game. Right, right. But it was, you know, separated up into regionals and so they would have regional events and you you know, growing up in Texas, driving a long way was never really a big deal. <laughs> because so, it's Texas. Because everywhere there's a drive. It's a long drive away. <laughs> so yeah, so like on a weekend it's like, oh, we could drive to Dallas. So we could drive because I was in um I was in uh college station. And so I could drive to Austin, I could drive to Houston, I could drive to San Antonio, and there would all be games there and people, and we just had so much fun. So that was my real solid introduction to gaming, and I loved it. Now, mind you, in the back of my head somewhere, there was still this, like, I want to play D&D, right? Right. And some of the players did play D&D, but I was waiting for an invitation because... You don't know what you're doing, right? right. Yep. The funny thing, and this is where, like, Matt Mercer and Critical Role and the actual plays that are out there now 
give people just leaps and bounds more opportunity, I feel like, because they get to see the game and they can understand what it is without ever sort of sitting down at a table mm-hmm. and trying to actually make it happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, based off of my failed experiment in high school, <laughs> <laughs> the method of not knowing what you're doing and just sitting down and winging it was, eh, give or take, successful. And so um, I was just hoping that somebody would invite me to one of their games. Yeah. But yeah. it really was a boys club. Like the only people who were playing D&D in my local cam chapter. And there were, I mean, I would say the split usually was somewhere between like 30, 70 to 40, 60. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So men to women, it was somewhere along that, along those lines. Um, and this is, I, I don't think... And no one was really talking about, um, like, gender or being non-binary or anything else at that time I was yet very say, much. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure if anybody identified in that direction, but I never um, I never had that experience for a long time. Of course, I was also in Texas. I mean, it just, it just mm-hmm. there's... Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, ooh. Anyway... <laughs> I imagine that that's one of those places where, like, the satan- the satanic panic hit pretty hard. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. Um, and, and in fact, I think it was just the fact that my parents believed that my brother walked on water. He, they thought he could do no ill. So I really think that they they never had a problem with anything he did. So the fact that he bought it, it must be fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the golden child has spoken. It must be all right. <laughs> Sometimes you take whatever opportunity you got. So it worked out for me. Um, Although when I was in college, dressed in my goth gear and playing Vampire the Masquerade, I did at one point receive a phone call from my brother who asked me if I had joined a cult. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you answer that? Like, because at first you're kind of, I imagine you're like, no, I don't. And then you're thinking about it, I'm like, mm. <laughs> cult might be a slightly strong word, but. <laughs> like, I don't know. We, like, uh, I think it's fine. <laughs> that's a very good anti cult answer. That's, yeah. that's exactly what they teach you to say. It's fine. It's fine here. So, I don't know. That was, that was a very funny conversation. I mean, I love him to death, and he was just looking out for me. You know, it was, it was worried big brother, like, going, what oh, is my crazy sister doing? I'm but, sure. And if you, I mean, for those that, you know, if they knew anything about back then when Vampire came out, it, it really kind of supercharged all of this concern because, you know, the first of all, A, you got to play the bad guys. Oh, yeah. You were the monsters in the dark, and... Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, after that, what was the Tom Hanks movie that freaked everybody out where he started playing D&D and it just goes, like, off the rails and he's hiding in the sewers and stuff or something? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Listen, yes, I do know what you're talking about. I mean, we were dressing up as vampires in these, like, crazy goth outfits in Central Texas in 1990, like... Five, six, seven, oh, eight, yeah. nine, like late nineties. <laughs> it's probably a miracle that you guys didn't get raided. <laughs> we, I mean, people. It's it's so funny. Like we would go, you know. Of course, after game, because you would you would game would run until like midnight or whatever, <laughs> you know. And then you wanted to go to IHOP, 
Because that's what every gay does sure. after you're done, right? It's just like the this is the thing you do. And so we would go to IHOP afterwards. And if you can imagine, at midnight, a bunch of goth kids rolling into IHOP with like their fake fangs. I was going to say with fangs on and like, stuff still. Yeah. Like makeup. And like some people were playing like Nosferatu. And so they were like really like creepy, crazy looking like or or I mean, it just it was it was crazy. It was really crazy. And it is a miracle. Nobody really ever gave us Maybe because we like rolled as a pack. Literally. I was going to say that's where they were like, mm, let's just let it go. There's just too many of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you what what did it take to get the, from there, like, to finally get into a game? My fiance, boyfriend, significant other. So uh, when I moved here to Virginia in two thousand and three, mm-hmm. um, and I started to date someone at the time, and that person was also in the camp because everybody I knew was in the camp. Like that was just That was your group. That was my <laughs> those, those are my people. Those are and were and still are <laughs> my people. And so uh that whole experience, you know, when you're sort of surrounded by those people, like eventually at some point they wanted to play. And I was like, I don't want to play <laughs> you know, like standing over there with my like please sir may I have a <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and <laughs> so um one of one of my um SO's friends decided to run midnight in which was a 3.5 variant I was going to say that's setting a yep an alternate rule system um i mean it it, it was basically 3.5 with just like some changes right right? so it was just like a few like uh alterations and additions and three point we call it 3.7 3.8 whatever um but midnight was this i mean it's so fitting for a bunch of vampire cam players i was gonna say to pick a setting where sauron (laughs) wins right like you're playing (laughs) in a grim dark bleak world where you know the evil god has won and you're just guerrilla fighters who are attempting to you know hold on to the last gasp of light <laughs> and it's hopeless right it's that was gonna hopeless say, that's got to be great because a tpk the rest of the world's gonna go on and he wins again right oh, yeah, it's, yeah yeah it's, oh. yeah no, i feel, I feel slightly traumatic listen the game ended in a tpk and we all died and uh yeah but 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 like that was I mean that was that was the game yeah. and I loved it yeah I yeah. loved it I had the worst character too you guys I did not I didn't even know the concept of min maxing <laughs> I didn't even know what that was yes. <laughs> I was just like I want to ride a horse <laughs> somebody's like I kill your horse fuck <laughs> really. <laughs> All my abilities are based on my horse. I was going to say, I really built this character around the horse. I mean, even let it off a little bit. <laughs> I kept killing my horse. I even gave it a name and everything. <laughs> I just painted a big, big old target on this side is what I did. I know when when I first started playing, um, I was in Japan and a buddy of mine got me into it. And we were playing second edition at the time. Yeah. And the, one of the very first characters I remember making is i was like yeah i'll play an elf and they said all right sounds good 
here's your elf stuff. And I was like, sweet. And they were like, got to the point where I like was actually getting into the party. He's like, hey, describe yourself. And I described a dwarf because I didn't know what the difference was. <laughs> the DM's like, that sounds like a dwarf. And I was like, hey, I don't care what it sounds like. That's what I'm going for. So he goes, all right, we're going to retcon some stuff here. <laughs> Let me change some stuff out. So I, was, I was a completely species off, so yeah, it happens. I completely understand. That's amazing, Jim. So. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so so I, I I made this, like, I don't know, Riders of Rohan, like, <laughs> character. <laughs> That's like, a picture to my head, too. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a trained cavalry man without a horse. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Legit, that is what I played. <laughs> And uh, and so we uh, we died we died a spectacular death. Actually, not it was pretty ignoble, but but that I mean that's kind of the, the right fl- the flavor of the setting. Uh, you know, is fight against the dying of the light. Um, but and to this day, one of my absolute favorite settings. I I have collected all of the books from the mm. original printings. I've scoured like you know eBay. Yeah. And, yeah all that stuff over the over the last few years and I've collected all of them. Because it still holds a, you know, special... Your first game will always hold a special place in your heart, wherever the setting was, whatever right. you were doing. You'll be like, oh, that's my favorite game. Um, yeah, so that was my first game. Uh, and then after that, um, me and my significant other, we had other cam friends who lived elsewhere and they wanted to have a game at their house. And we're like, well, we'll just travel it to see you. Because. Again, pre-Roll20, pre-internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pre-all the things. Yeah. And <clears throat> so we would drive up to towards Northern Virginia. Um, uh, every, I think we were playing at least once, once a month. Uh, we would drive up there, but we would go for the weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, go stay at their house, game all day Saturday would start like around maybe ten and end at like midnight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> epic long <laughs> sessions. You know, um, <laughs> the things that you do before you get older and need to sleep <laughs> and have kids. Weird things like that. Uh, and so we would we would do that, and it was spectacular fun. And that game was. Um, it was another 3.5 variant um and this one shit i'm gonna have to think about it for shayra in that game what was it called i meant to write i meant to write all these down and i didn't it's okay i told you this is the creative process we just wing it yeah (laughs) we can always cut it out (laughs) i can fix just about anything in post nice nice um yeah so so my friend was running this game it was the first time i had seen a female dm right um and even in the camarilla there were there were women who were storytellers but most of the storytellers i was around were male yeah um and so this was really my first time seeing someone uh seeing myself in the shoes of someone who's running it because representation really is super important sure um you know people talk about that and they they get a lot of but no really it is it is super important to see yourself and to see someone like you doing something and and knowing that you can do it is, yeah uh, i find i find a lot of times the the people that are going eh, is it really that important are usually people that have seen themselves represented in every uh-huh. single piece of fantasy 
that has come out. Yeah. Like, I mean, it is usually like the straight white guys. Like, oh, why does that really matter? Yeah. I can't explain it to you because <laughs> one, you're not asking a question in good faith. You don't actually want an answer. Yeah. You're just wanting to cause trouble. Yeah. And two, you don't know. How, you, you can't imagine. Like everything, every time I've ever picked up a book or I've watched a movie or played a video game, I'm, you know, I was the, you know, protagonist. Yeah. Like that, that's yeah. always been our thing. Yeah. You know. And, and, you know, I think to the credit of the intelligent human brain, we will often find ways to insert ourselves into the character regardless of gender or race or whatever, because we're you know, amazing because humans are awesome. Right. But at the same time, that doesn't replace the experience of actually seeing it yourself. Um, because sure, I loved many books that had uh, male protagonists in it. And, and I had phenomenal male storytellers as right. examples to sort of pull off of when I started running games, but it definitely was very, um, it just, it, it's, yeah, it's hard to put into words, but it makes you feel like, what you're trying to do or what you think you want to do is much more approachable. It just, it takes it from being like, I'm going to scale this cliff to I'm going to walk up these stairs. Right. Right. It's that sort of experience. And, you know, and watching my friend do that was, was a wonderful thing. And so they ran their game and that was fantastic for multiple years. We would travel up there. It was a great, like long-term cool thing. There was, a lot of drinking, a lot of gaming. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> and and yeah, so that was my first time with that experience. And then um, they moved away. So, that, you know, th- that oh. game ended. We, um, I ended up running f- for them for a little while. Right. Right yeah, after yeah. that. Um, but then they moved away. And then I was kind of like, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. And then once I sort of wrapped my brain around that, um, I ran a, a few games, just like short things, right? Like, I'm going to run this adventure. I'm going to run mm-hmm. that adventure, right? Just kind of like getting getting my feet wet and just trying it out and just seeing how it feels. And then once I kind of got past that point, I was like, okay. I have all these ideas for campaigns. <laughs> I need to make this happen. <laughs> and and now I am the forever DM. Right. <laughs> here I am a decade or so later, and I'm like, can somebody let me play in their game? <laughs> I almost circled back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I just want to I do just want to say that we did invite you in, but you already had commitments on our game night. So <laughs> Oh, you invited me to your. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's true. That's um, true. Yeah, I am playing uh, in an actual play um, that's currently a Star Trek game. That's right. They're using the uh, Modifius system. Yes, I really love it. Um, it's on Gamers Table every Tuesday night at nine PM. Plug. What's the uh, <laughs> uh, What's the name of the the Twitch TV slash Gamers Table? Okay, okay, got it. Yeah. And the name of the game, uh, well, it's just our Star Trek game, but right. it's Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock, um, USS Sequoia. Nice. New worship, yes. Um, I play the medical officer, I was gonna chief say. medical officer. Um, she's, uh, she's fun. She's good. Lots of shenanigans in that game. All women 
and non-binary cast. Absolutely. Yes. Our DM is uh, is a man, but the rest of us are just, we're wild and woolly and having fun. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Which should be the goal of any game. So good. Listen, I honestly... It is one of my favorite games that I've ever played in, and and there is in- something interesting about the experience of playing at a table with with all individuals who just jive like this and have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, yeah, it's just been it's been fantastic. They're a great group. So two Ooh. thumbs up. Come watch us because we're we're ridiculous. I think I've caught a couple episodes, but yeah. Tuesday nights is our. When we run our game for our group that we've had for a while, so, yeah. um, which has been, eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, game. If you've ever ran a game, you completely understand. Like, I mean, the group that we have, I, I, I love our group. Um, uh, I just there are times where things happen, and you're just like, oh, but why though? Yeah, yeah, you get the look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having run for the same group, <laughs> I completely understand. Oh. <laughs> well, speaking of running, do we want to get into some GM tips? I was going to say, I uh, like, yeah, I know you have, uh, like I said, you have been my DM for a long time. Yes. Um, and we've talked a lot about the, the way that you kind of see the rules, you know, with other people. And we've talked, you know, like one of the things that I know, if we have a death early on, Make a new character. Yeah. There's no there's no saving that. Like no. at that level you don't have the mm-hmm. resources to get it back together. Yeah. So I know and we've we've seen it a couple times. I swear to Christ, Leslie has tried to kill me in more creative ways. I almost died to a set of goddamn stairs. <laughs> and I was a rager. Like, like that it wasn't, wasn't even your- like stupid fighter fell off stairs. Like I'm supposed to be the nimble you know. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Failed like three rolls. I was lucky that somebody was standing next to me and grabbed me. Obviously, that was your favorite terrain. Right. Obviously. obviously <laughs> next stair- time you'll pick stairs. Yeah, next time. <laughs> stairs are going to be in my favorite terrain, Leslie. Okay, I'll play your little game. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to hear it. Like, when you pick your, your favorite enemy is humanoids. Yeah. <laughs> you see the look I'm giving you? <laughs> Leslie, you told me to come into that game. That was supposed to be the one shot. That's what it was. I was designing a character to go in like guns blazing. And then we were like, wow, we really like this. So we've been at it now for a couple of months. Yeah, yeah. So that was our COVID game. Yeah. We we started it. I, you know, it all started with, I put together a group on Discord because I wanted to run different games than D&D, actually. Because I love D&D, but I also love to run all kinds of games. Just, I think, um, you know, like, once I got comfortable uh, running uh, D&D, because there were so many, you know, I had enough experience, enough, like, different games that I had run, that then I started branching out, looking at all the other systems. And I mean, I was coming from somebody who had been in LARP, and... Who would, you know, way back in the day, sorry, was Shadowrun. So, like, I had seen other systems yeah. um, and I had experience with some, but I thought, you know, I want to run some more things. And I may have a slight Kickstarter addiction. You're in the right place. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm among friends. Yeah. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I have all these books on the shelf and I was like, I should do something, some of these. 
And so I said, okay, I'm going to get together a group. And what we're going to do is we're going to do like short arcs because I was starting to kind of try to perfect the three to five game arc. Right. Because I don't in general like one shots. There's a lot of pressure yeah, yeah. to get a lot done in a very mm-hmm. short period of time. And to me, if you do like three to five games, you can get an interesting story out without like a commitment of, of, a, of, campaign. of a campaign. Um, and you can sort of get a better feel for the uh, the actual system itself, mm-hmm. uh, the rule set, and character progression and all those things right Right. like you can do a little bit of everything and get a good feel for it and then COVID hit so it's like at the very beginning of 2020 i was like "Ooh, 2020 like what a lucky year i'm gonna do this this year (laughs) 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 i was gonna say not so much (laughs) feel a little lied to on a lot of levels that's not how that works at all and so um I started that group. We all got together. We played like one or two games and then the world fell apart. And uh, I was like, let's play just a fifth edition one shot. Let's just do like that meat and potatoes kind of comfort gaming, as I call it. Right. It's simple. We know the rules. We don't have anything to learn. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows what they're doing, and it's fun, and it doesn't require a whole lot of thought. It requires less prep on my part. And and so I just, I kind of was like, all right, well, let's, let's, I'll just run a, a one-shot. And so I just created something. I just made up a story. I was like, this will be interesting. And right. I love, um, I love Eberron. Um Yes. Ebron, Eberron. I I've heard it both ways. Yeah. I'd, I'm sorry if anybody listens to this. I'm trying not trying to insult anybody, but I, <clears throat> that's how I pronounce it. Anyway, so Ebron. <clears throat> so I, I decided to run an Ebron because I love the world and I love um, the flavor of steampunk that it adds to D&D. Yeah. Like, that's just something I enjoy. And I wanted something a little different because my last game had been in Waterdeep. Right. And so I... But I really love, I love urban campaigns. Yes. And Sharn is an amazing city to adventure in. And there's so much there for you to like sink your storytelling teeth into and, and talk about. And so I was like, I'm, I could do anything here. But it was a, it was a fun, like sort of adventure, go find the MacGuffin yeah sort of a sort of thing where it was like okay you're sent off on a job and you need to go find the thing and ooh, the thing turns out to not be the thing you thought it was and plot twist you know your party starts at a pub <laughs> <laughs> yes and um and then we finished it and everybody's like oh this is really fun yeah we want to keep going and and then we're still playing i was gonna say and it's still going and so i was gonna say it's still a good story <laughs> So, for new people, like, I know, and especially, like you said, like, the access to this game now is so much better than what it ever used to be with, like, go look up Critical Role, go look up Dimension 20, you know, go look up, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a dozen, at least, podcasts that you can Mm -hmm. find, live play streams. I love Friends at the Table, that's what I'm listening to right now. Yeah. Uh, The, uh, was it the Stinky Dragon was one I just found that was pretty good. (laughs) You know, they're out there, so, I mean, you can see people having a lot of fun, so... For people that, somebody that is just starting out or just getting into it, because I still see 
like I see it on TikTok all the time. People are like, I really want to play, but I don't have people that play, or they just don't know where they. We still can't find each other. <laughs> I really thought we'd have perfected that by now. <laughs> um, but if somebody that's looking to start a game, yeah, what would be what would be your top tips for a new DM? A new DM. Well, let's see. Um, I would say, uh, I, I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to ride the line with this one a, a little bit. So we're going to talk about rules versus story because that's a big, that has been an ongoing, um, uh, I don't know, a debate. I was going to say, yeah. I, I guess it's uh, the discourse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where, and I mean, this this has gone on since I started playing back in the 90s. Um there is some tension between player or between storytellers who, and I'm showing my cam roots because I call them storytellers, between storytellers who uh, focus more on the story right, and those who are very focused on the mechanics. Um, and that kind of also, I'm going to add to the mechanic side and say that there's also a lot of like wargaming and min maxing and all those things all those concepts kind of like tie in on that yeah, side yeah. right and and i want to i want to say i don't have anything negative to say about those as a whole right i'm going to say i firmly fall into the storytelling side of things as where i lean in my preference right but i think having a firm enough grasp on the root rules such that you can make fair decisions that are generally everybody at the table is going to feel like, okay, it, no one's being cheated out of their cool, fun, awesome thing. Right. And it's balanced enough that it's enjoyable. Right. So I would say start with a firm enough grasp. So read the rules, watch or listen to some actual plays. Listen to some other DMs run the system. That, to me, is one of the easiest ways to pick up on those rules and how they actually apply to running the game. Sure. So, and and that is the most wonderful thing that we never had when we were first starting. Right. Uh, was, the, was access to that. Um, the closest thing we had was descriptions in the book, which some of the books still have, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> They'll have that whole interaction where the GM says blah blah blah. And the players right. Blah, I was going to say when it gives you like the yeah. sidebar, yes, and it's like yeah. this is how this would work. Yeah, and they'll actually run you through. They'll they'll have like a uh, what's the word like a script. Like it's it's like yep. you're reading a script. The DM says this, and then the player you know A says this, and player B does this, and and so it, it'll give you an example of play. Right. right? Yeah. Well, that's great, and reading it's fine, but there's nothing like listening and watching it. Oh, no, no. World's different. So watch a couple of those. Find something that seems like, I kind of like this style. Yeah. And uh, and try and emulate it. Yeah. Right? So that would be my, that would be my, like, first thing. Um, Because you don't want people to come to your table and you don't have any clue on the rules. Now, I will caveat this by saying, I'm the worst at remembering all the rules. (laughs) I just am. Because I kind of don't give a shit. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I have... (laughs) I have seen this firsthand. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, because at the end of the day, it's really cool with me, and I just want a cool story. <laughs> right. I We've played, like I said, we've played a lot, and there are yeah. times where, I, and I, I have a pretty good, I have a pretty firm grasp on the rules, mm-hmm. and I do well just remembering stuff. That's because I grew up in, like, I'm pretty sure it's because I grew up in, like, 
crazy private school where I had to memorize an entire chapter of the Bible. Just different brains. Right. Different brains. So we've played, there's been a couple where I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) But I will say that one of the things too that I have really enjoyed, because the story has always been good. Like I know where we're going and like the character, well, maybe not know where we're going, but I know that there's another step somewhere that we're looking for. You know what I'm saying? Like there's always that intrigue to it. Um, but even if we, there is a call and it's like, wait a minute, but the rule says this, we're like, all right, we'll fix that. Cool, whatever. And we go on. Like, and it's just, and yeah. it's that easy. It's been really good. Yeah. So that's another thing too that, I mean, I know for me, like as a D, as a DM, you, you're focusing on that story, but you got to be flexible. Yeah. Like, I think, I think what I do is don't invest your ego too yeah. much in being right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that ties into that whole knowing Knowing the rules, right? So generally speaking, ooh, in reference notes, like I have, um, there are people who have uh, posted online, like the the sort of like cheat sheet on the rules that right. just kind of like takes a lot of the fifth edition rules and kind of condenses it down to a couple yeah. of pages. Yep. Mm-hmm. I keep that shit in front of me all the time. I've been doing this for years and I still refer to it because when my, just it's just the way my brain works. When I'm in storytelling mode and I'm keeping track of, you know, five different interwoven storylines and all the intrigue therein. I just, it's just, there's, there's a couple of extra steps to keeping those rules. And sometimes it's like, it's just easier for me. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. I look at the piece of paper and I go, okay, I need you to make uh, this role, you know? And, and it just, it, you know, don't be afraid to use whatever tools are going to make the job easier for you. And don't feel like using those tools makes you a lesser DM. Exactly. That, and that's the big, yeah. even look at, I mean, Matt Mercer, mm-hmm. like he's done a couple of segments. And I know he's somebody that we refer back to just because I think he has kind of become that like face. Oh, yeah. He's so well known. Yeah, yeah. That's out there. But even he, when he talks about, you know, DM prep, he's like, look behind the screen. Like, yeah. look at all the stuff I have behind the screen. Like, he's got notes and he's and it's not even just like really complicated, you know, yeah. something to do with the story. It's like. Yeah. What is a what? How, what exactly do you roll for a superior healing potion? Oh yeah, yeah, all like, the time. I forget mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, Google, uh, Google is my friend. My cheat sheets are my friend. Um, searching PDFs is my friend. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and don't like if you play with people who give you a hard time because you're not remembering a certain rule about something. Fire those people. Yeah, like, just kick yeah. them the fuck out of your game. Nobody has time for that shit. <laughs> Nobody has time for that. So I love to rely on my players who are rules lawyers. I love my rules lawyers. They're great, <laughs> right? <laughs> as long as they accept at the end of the day that my rules law. Sure. Right. And it. <laughs> I make the call. The call, that's it. I've made the call. The call is made. Yeah. But but that's the agreement. And most of the time, I'm super flexible. And if they say something, I don't have any ego invested in being right. 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 I want my players to have fun, and that's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to a fun, fair experience and and figuring out where that sweet spot is between those things. Yeah. And so if one of my players is like, well, this rule says blah, 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 when we're talking about like something someone's attempting to do, and I'm like, okay. And I might say, yes, that's what we're doing. I might say, we're going to do that, but with caveat A, B, or C – or I might say, uh, in this case, under these conditions, that doesn't make sense. Sure, right. And that's generally like how that – and you're only going to get comfortable doing that by doing it. Yeah. Like it takes experience and there will be times when later on you'll think, why didn't I do it 
this way or you know like just don't listen to those little voices in your head right that, <laughs> i think that's one of the biggest detractors for a lot of people that i've talked to about being a gm for the first time yeah is like i have that little voice that tells me i'm gonna do it wrong like Dude. you will yeah you will you will but at the end of the day it's just like the real world you're gonna make mistakes every day mm-hmm. keep going because the world's gonna keep spinning yeah yeah, D&D yeah. works the exact same way. I don't know if you've looked at a map, but Toral, round. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to keep going. It just keeps going. Well, and, and the end goal is not to be right. The end goal to me is for my players to have a good time. And if I have a scenario where there's been some sort of like rules thing that I didn't get quite right, right. nine times out of ten... I'm the only person who gives a crap at the end of the game. I was going to say. And if I say anything to my players, because I've asked before, because of course you're like, how was my game, guys? (laughs) (laughs) As every DM does. Mm -hmm. uh, You, you nine times out of ten, will hear, I don't even know what you're talking about, or it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And it really, it really isn't. So, so I would say knowing the rules being flexible with them, listen to your rules lawyers, be comfortable making those decisions or get comfortable making those decisions and play with people who are reasonable. Like if they are expecting you to be a rules encyclopedia, um, they're just not the right player for you and that's okay. And so maybe that's my like my next sort of piece of advice is um, not every player is meant for every dungeon master, game master, whatever you want to call it, storyteller. And not every storyteller is right for every player. Sure. And different people have different styles. Finding those right fits are going to make all the difference in the world about how much fun you have. Do you think you deal with that more being a woman running a game? That you get questioned more on, well, do you really know what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely get a lot of, well, actuallys and, um, and, and people who try to correct me. But I have a pretty strong personality. So uh, that doesn't go very far. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> like, I don't tolerate that sort of nonsense very much. Um, but I definitely uh, see it more in my games sometimes. And I have to kind of just, you know, take a deep breath and say, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but uh, moving right along. Right. right. <laughs> um, but again, Mostly, I don't play with those people because it's life's too short. Yeah, life's and too short for that. I know. Like, and I've talked about. It, I think I've been very fortunate with the people that I've sat around because I've heard such horror stories coming out of the rest of you know the gaming community oh, yeah. um, about women player women that are playing just being treated like, <laughs> well, you don't belong here. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I mean, well, the the stuff that's going on with TSR right now. Uh, a big part of it, you know, is Ernie Gygax coming out and saying, look, there's a lot of people that want to go back to that old, you know, way of playing. And in my head, I'm going, what, what does that mean? Like, what? He's like, oh, well, there's too many women and, you know, there's not enough straight white men at my table is what it translates to in my head. And whether that's what he meant or not, the old way of playing is that's exactly what it is. And it, you know, I... I am very familiar with the segment of the gaming community that individuals who have those opinions fall into. Yeah. Um, and I've dealt with them a lot over the years. And I try to just like not 
give them all the oxygen in the room. You know, like I just, I, I, I think I've just been doing this for enough years right. that, um, that I, they, they're just, they're spouting their opinions into irrelevance, right? Like they're making themselves irrelevant, which is a shame because they hold a piece of the history of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting and cool stuff that happened at the beginning of D&D. And there were plenty of individuals involved who weren't just straight white men. Right. Sure. Yeah. Who I feel like because of certain individuals, that they're they've given kind of the older vanguard a really bad name and that's unfortunate because there's plenty of people who were playing who played before me who played with you know concurrently with me and who are now playing after me all wonderful people sure and those people just like they just they take up the oxygen and i'm sick of it like i'm sick of those people and their those opinions because we just we're past that now. Like we just we so yeah we should be like I mean if you look around <laughs> it oh my god and I keep you know I keep going back because like if you haven't found it yet D and D TikTok will eat away hours if you let it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Is that what the kids are doing now? Yeah, right. <laughs> my social media manager pointed it out to me, and I was like. <laughs> You're a 13 year old girl. You obviously know what you're talking about. Let me of see course. what this goes. Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. but uh, you know, you you see like the people that are playing, and even, I mean, if you, if you go into the right game store, yeah. or even around here, you know, it is not like I go into a game store and I'm not surrounded by everybody that looks like me. Yeah, and the stories are so much better. Yeah. Like you can only get so good of a story out of me, <laughs> and even if it's you yeah. know, if we grew up in the same experience and we're running the same games and playing the same games, the story's only going to get to, so it, you're only going to hit such a plateau, you know? When you have a table of men and women and non-binary indiv- individuals who are all pulling on their experiences and have different backgrounds, uh, different race experience, life experience, and all those people come to a table and start to tell a story together, it Having been in both types of games, at the end of the day, 100%, it is a better story and a better experience right. the more diverse your table is. Yeah. Um, and and that is partially, I think, because uh, you just can't imagine the worlds and experiences you've never been to. Yeah. yeah. And, and so including that just add so many facets they're lovely facets i don't i don't know why some people are so um resistant intimidated by resistance like just uh it it, there's fear fear is at the basis of it right they're afraid of the change to the community which is unfortunate because it closes their eyes to all of the positives. I was going to say this, yeah. just the untapped wealth that they have there of potential yeah. for a good story, you yeah. know? And I, I, know, I remember when I first started playing second edition, there wasn't a lot of story like there. I think, I, I think it's gotten more like the stories have gotten better now, yeah. Yeah. you know? Um, well, you know, I think I touched on that earlier where I was talking about like, you kind of have like two camps, right? Yeah. You have a camp, that loves their war games, loves their dungeon crawl, loves their min-maxing. It's 
the math is fun and the the getting the figuring out a way to make your character really powerful and how much damage can I do all of that stuff um that whole like camp that's their fun and that's great like sure. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like I don't I do not want to in any way denigrate that like that is um I in fact can be accused of getting back so <laughs> we'll talk about that wizard yep, later <laughs> Yes, I'm the person who takes the lucky feet. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but even still, I mean, that's the way they play. And then you have so many more people that are coming into this. And while the rules and the combat and that stuff is good, there's a lot of people, I think, that come to this for the stories. Like, I mean, yeah. Critical Role completely changed the face of this. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people do the same thing. They come in and they look at it and they're like, wow, I, like, I want to be in the... Yeah. Like, Look how dedicated, like, the fan base that they have, you know, for better or worse sometimes, but... Um, Every fan base. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, when you, you there's like a certain point, you get to a fan base level, and it's just like, all right, we're going to have to deal with some crap now. <laughs> Shit. It's true. So. Well... Cool. The, I think, I coming at it from the Camarilla and from the LARP side of things, and playing Vampire the Masquerade in the 90s... Yeah. Um, I think they were sort of at the vanguard of a more diverse group. Yes. Um, yeah. In in role playing games. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so, and story in LARP really is way more important. It is. It is wonderful to get into an amazing combat scene, but most of the time, I mean, come on! At the end of the day, you're playing rock paper scissors, right? How yeah. seriously can you really yeah. take it? <laughs> like this, right? You know, like I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, like, so, so, like the stories that we created, um, and all props to everybody who ran those games, ran huge games with hundreds of players in these conventions at these hotels, right? pre not pre-internet but pretty close to pre-internet like for coordinating all those people and all that stuff oh my god i can't imagine that with not everybody having a cell phone on them or no one had a cell phone yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no one had a cell phone yeah absolutely like it was it was really crazy and um and so those people would craft these amazing stories and have all these people involved in it and you had this huge room of people uh, involved in these plot lines and i think that instilled in me a love of the storytelling side yeah. of it and so when i came to tabletop role-playing games i didn't even have a sense of this is a war game or this is a game uh, you know that is based off of like dungeon crawling or anything like that i came to it with a bunch of other larpers playing tabletop rpg who were like this right. is about storytelling right we're going to tell stories and we're going to roll dice, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, because, mind you, also I learned from them how to min-max characters. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, that's a- and for anyone who's listening who doesn't know min-max, I mean, admittedly, it's kind of a... I guess it is kind of a... Yeah. yeah, like a little... I mean, I kind of am. But, <laughs> but min-maxing just basically is like minimizing your weaknesses and maximizing your strengths of your character. So whatever class you're playing, it's all it's all about like 
maximizing your damage output and figuring out how you can be like the most effective character with whatever character build you're putting together. And some people will argue, and I, I understand this. Some people will argue that um, a less perfected character build has more character. Sure. Is more fun. Right. It's more like, uh, you know, like those quirks and unusual characteristics make it like entertaining and enjoyable. Right. right. Yeah. Um, I like to be good at whatever I pick to be good at. Right. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I harbor that little bit of like competitive, whatever that is. It was like, nah, I really want to like, I want, I want, I mean, that first fireball as a wizard, <laughs> you're rolling all those dice. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that stuff, too. So. I, yeah. I like to have one, just one good dump stat that can be, because, you know, like, if every story was just Superman from, like, the 30s, oh, sure. yeah. when he was throwing cards at people, and yeah. it was like, ah, there's nothing that can stop me. Yeah. You know, but you look to see how storytelling, it's it's the failures Weaknesses. that, in you know, the, the areas where things didn't go quite as planned yeah um that helps i think helps to make that good story like i'm gonna lay in some damage and this is gonna be awesome and then i step the wrong way and then i fall off the stairs so (laughs) stuff like that so yeah that's true yeah so where where are we going with all this i've I've got okay no i think that was uh that was it that was it we went there all right so um yeah like other any other dm tips i'm trying to think of like I think as a woman running, um, you know, don't be afraid to set up lines and fails. I don't know if you guys have talked about um, any of the um, means and methods of kind of handling sensitive topics at the table. We have, we've talked about session zeros. We've talked about um, expect, like managing expectations. Mm-hmm. But as far as using like, you know, a card or something or a tool, um, we really haven't gone into that yet. But I personally really like lines and veils. Yes. Or something similar to it. I mean, there's a bunch of different options out there. So, you know, research was whatever is comfortable to you. But but like as a as a woman running games, um, I think lines and veils is a very powerful tool because you may have experiences that make it such that running a game has certain triggering things in it. And you don't want to come up against that either as a player or as a dm Mm -hmm. and you certainly don't want your players to have that experience because again you're there to like facilitate them having a good time sure and so if you can come up with just a list of things to avoid that just kind of makes that a non-issue then that's what i love yeah 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 i think we've talked about how experiences especially in role-playing games they can be so intense like just because the storytelling and such that it that's definitely important to be careful with your players that if there are topics that are sensitive to them, like you want to cover that one in session zero, but making sure that like your players are there to have a good time and are able to play the game and enjoy the game, you know, cause they're going to bring their own experiences, their own history into the game. And that's part of what makes the diversity in storytelling so awesome. But there are still those topics that you want to make sure that they're going to be okay with. And I mean, I, I learned, like many things, you learn things the hard way often. Right. And, you know, I had had, um, you know, games that I've run where topics came up that were a problem for some of the players and we had to kind of like, okay, we got to stop and we got to like, you know, handle this afterwards. 
Whereas if we had just handled it ahead of time, sure. we could yep. have just like completely avoided it. So it just saves you some like awkward and uncomfortable conversations afterwards where you feel terrible and the other person is in a terrible, you know, like, mm-hmm. like every, everyone feels terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no one's enjoying this. Yeah, right. So, so just, you know, I would say, you know, try to uh, set that up ahead of time so that you know, just like what you need to avoid. And, you know, again, I will go back to, there are some, there are folks who will argue the difficult topics make a story great, right? They're, the conflict inherent in some difficult topics. Yeah. So I'm not going to tell people what to or what to not put into their games. I'm going to say, you know, you need to learn your players mm-hmm. and your players and you need to have that conversation because different tables are going to be comfortable with different things. They're going to have different levels of wi- how how willing they are to deal with difficult topics right right right. so whether or not you're talking about issues of racism or you're talking about slavery comes up in games often whether you're talking about sexual assault whether you're talking about any number of topics that can be very triggering so when you have those kinds of topics that come up and they do invariably tend to come up in games that are dark and have conflict i mean Uh i was playing vampire the masquerade i was gonna say playing the bad guys right like (laughs) it's gonna happen and so when you're dealing with those things if you you just need to have that conversation right with your players yeah we advocate for us we've and we have for ever since we've started this for that session zero to do exactly that i mean it's fun to you know it's fun to flesh out characters and get together and stuff but that's the conversation that you need to have is Mm -hmm. the hey is there anything that we need to avoid you know and and it's fine and that you need to make sure i think as a dm like that's one of my big things is to make sure that everybody knows that it's fine. And if something does come up later that you were like, ah, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but we did that last time. I really left the game feeling really shitty. Yeah. Reach out to me, find me, call me, whatever you need to do, come talk to me. Like yeah. you need to be open to catch that yeah. and then go back and fix it. And I, you know, there's been a tendency in the discourse to, for certain individuals to say things like X topic should never be in role playing games. And my thing is, is maybe I, I don't think I'm not sure I can agree that there is a single thing that I would say this should never be. I should say you need to have a grown up conversation. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like- <laughs> you just need to be grown ass adults and handle it thus, you know, and and there are nuances to every sort of table and group and and the the kind of chemistry between them and what they're going to be comfortable with yeah absolutely like that's one of the things you know where this game has grown up you know Mm -hmm. and we are adults playing it now and this is our hobby you know where like you know i like i'm a storyteller and this is where i get to this is my artistic outlet this is what makes me you know, in the middle of the week, getting to play a game and getting me to walk away. That's my de-stressor. Yeah. You know, so absolutely. Like that's one of the big, one of the best ways I've heard it described is have an adult conversation before you play the, before you get started. Cause you may bump up against something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those, those are, those are really important things. Um, and then I think learning your storytelling style. Yes. 
So, and that's something that comes with time. Uh, exploring different types of stories and figuring out what really gets you jazzed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That you're going to love to run for your... I like um, epic storylines. I really like storylines where you're movers and shakers in the world and you have the, the opportunity to change the world. Yes. Um, and I like stories that have multiple storylines in the yes. sense that it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh was that you on the nose my bad go ahead yeah so like i really enjoy it when a story is uh complex yes because when i think of the world i think everyone is operating with their own aims and goals mm-hmm. and you're not there's not just going to be like one storyline yeah nothing happens in a vacuum no there's lots of things going on like just think about the entire past year (laughs) (laughs) oh geez like 2020 somebody's somebody's game that's just gone off the rails completely (laughs) off the rails yeah somebody has lost control of the train um yeah, so so that uh, complexity is is part of what I love. So I love complexity. So I always have tons of storylines going, and and players really feel like they live in a vivid world where lots of things are happening, and they have choice. They can go and decide what they want to get involved with, and where they are going to exert their influence and make a difference in the world. Right, good or right. bad. I'm not saying that they're necessarily heroic. Depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Although I will say that in general, I don't tend to run games that I don't like to do uh, evil focused campaigns. I think evil. I think the thing that makes evil campaigns difficult is when we talk about evil. What really comes up a lot is like the selfish nature of it. Yeah, and it's hard to keep a party of selfish people together. Mm -hmm. Yes, I don't find that fun to run either. No, yeah, I'm like a bunch of people like trying. Yeah, I mean, and and this comes from somebody who played Vampire the Masquerade, where everyone is basically essentially trying to kill everyone else. Sure, but you know, vampires are just misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) Blood sucking, but gorgeous. Um, no, the the I guess in Vampire, you uh. There are structures in place which create mm-hmm. groups that have common cause, right? Yeah. And so you're sort of like half working against each other and looking for an opportunity to backstab the people around you and gain more power. Right. And half attempting to accomplish whatever group goal there there is in place, right? right. And so that kind of works well. Um, so you could probably come up with some sort of similar analog to that in D&D, but I've, I've never gone to the effort of trying to do I was going to say, it's going to be something you create on yeah, your Yeah, at own. that point, why don't you just play Vampire the Masquerade? <laughs> yes. I, exactly. So We're exactly. getting there. I'm reading the book. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, you guys. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Like I said, I've really enjoyed it. I always enjoy sitting down talking with you anyway. Like I said, we've known each other for quite a while. Um, and in this context, like I really wanted to have somebody else. Yeah. Because we've said it, but I mean... It doesn't matter when we say it. Um, so I love having somebody else on with a completely different lens to view this whole mm-hmm. thing through. Um, any parting shots? Any? Well, I think, I mean, if you want to talk about the challenges, I mean, I would say the main challenges can be walking into a room and seeing all men. Yes. Uh, that, you know, that's intimidating. That's, it's definitely intimidating. Um, so, for all of you allies out there, 
uh, if you see someone, be nice. Don't be weird. Be approachable. <laughs> Don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. <laughs> but invite them to be involved and and go out of your way. Act you know actively try mm-hmm. um, uh, to to sort of like advocate a presence because I will never forget when I uh, walked into <laughs> that my first uh, LARPing game. Um, my good friend Jackson Roberts, who uh, was just one of the most, I don't know, uh, just so full of life, right? right? And just this really larger than life character um, was playing the, I think he was playing the Prince of the City at the time. And um, like I walked into this game, a brand new player, and he said, you, right? And just immediately said, you're going to be my blah and instilled me in the court. And all of a sudden, I, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea where I was. I literally walked into this completely blind. And, um, and yeah, they, they invited me in. They actively got me involved and, and gave me a place at the quote unquote table immediately. Yes. And that made all the difference. So I would say if you could do anything, do that, right. be that person for other people who are going to walk into this place and feel, you know, a little intimidated. Um, so, yeah, just just be that person. <laughs> awesome. Something that we've advocated for, like I said, from the beginning is, you know, making sure everyone has a seat at the table. Um, thanks so much. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or reach out on social media. At Leslie GM Girl, and that's G-R-R-L, because okay. I had to be different <laughs> <laughs> i had to be you yeah. <laughs> yeah you can find me on twitter there um definitely come watch my game on tuesday night at gamers table and uh yeah i'll see you guys around awesome thank you so much thank you so now we're going to do another segment of Know Your Character. This is where we talk about characters that we've played, um, characters that we have loved, and give you the information on them. So maybe you can use them as an NPC. Maybe this could be inspiration for your next character. And since we had Leslie on, we definitely wanted to take the opportunity to have her uh, work with us and do a Know Your Character segment on a character that she has played. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of walk through this. Uh, this is something, too, that we are putting up on the website. We have a sheet up there of the information that we need. If you're interested in uh, giving us a character that we could talk about on air, please contact us, fill it out, uh, send it to us, and we will be more than happy to explore that. So we are going to get started. Um, so let's start with the character's name. Okay, uh, so the character's name, because I am extra, and I always have first, middle, and last name, was Ezravan Corinth Hollandale, short for, well, I went by Ezra during right. the game. Uh, and we were, system was fifth edition. Okay. Uh, we were playing a, a Curse of Strahd game. That's a good setting. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a good setting. So, Curse of Strahd. Um, and this was a human wizard that I was playing. Uh, I I chose a Chandathan human, which is just one of the lineages and right. Yeah. Yep. Favorite. That's yeah. And that 
Um, that character, I chose the subclass uh, School of War Magic. Okay. So what is that? At a, was that at a uh, Sword Coast? Xanathar. Uh, no, Xanathar. everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. I loved playing it. Now, mind you, I'm the forever DM. So when I get to play, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no half-ass in any character here. Oh, no, no, no. Um, so this character uh, was... I, we got all the way up to level 13 in this campaign. We, we played the entire campaign. And gosh, wizards at higher levels. There's just nothing like that. You you well, you were walking around with a nuke, no matter how you've done it at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're a glass cannon. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, what do we, what do we talk about next? We talk about, um, uh, stats. Uh, I don't remember um, now. I'd have to go look it up on a roll 20. I mean, I had a really high intelligence. I was going to say, <laughs> I min maxed it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> back to that. <laughs> um, I don't, I think I was, I was weak. I, I'm pretty sure strength was my. Probably. Uh, dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Usually the main wizard dumps that. Yeah, I was, I was having a hard time opening the cans. You know, like trying to get a jar and I'm like handing it to the paladin. I'm like, can you open this? <laughs> open this. I'll throw a fireball. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, description. Description. So, let's see. How do I describe this? Uh, she was. Is this physical description or is this? Yes. Okay, physical yeah. description. So she was petite. Um, I, I went with sort of uh, petite, wave-like, um, sort of long, uh, dark brown hair. Um, she had, you know, do you know who um, Lily, oh gosh, she was in Lost. Um, Hold on. Lily I'm... Evangeline, is that it? Is that right? Yeah, Lily Evangeline or Evangeline Lily. Sorry. So I based her off of Evangeline Lilly, okay. who is an actress. Um, she's in Lost, which is kind of what I think of her from, but she's been in a lot of things. Um, uh, Ant-Man, right? She was I was going to say, yeah. More recently, she was in Ant-Man, just trying okay. to think of things people would recognize. So yeah, so imagine kind of that. Um, and, uh, and, and I sort of, like, she was, she wasn't like... <sighs> I, I, I sort of, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into background and it'll kind of make a little bit more sense. Sure. Um, so backstory, background on her. Uh, she's a female tombstone Doc Holliday wizard. I remember you talking to me yeah. about this one and I loved this idea. <laughs> yeah. So like tragic past, tragic future, undying loyalty to her friends. Like she had a penchant for sarcasm, gambling, drinking flirting <laughs> like all the vices were her friends or so she thought <laughs> um yeah so so she was she was a fun hot mess got it yeah, yeah. um and so like i wrote I, I mean i can read you the backstory if you want to hear it's not very long it's just no go for it yeah okay all right so uh she grew up in cormier she lived most of her life in that region. Her mother, Sibylline Hollandale, uh, eventually became a high-ranking war wizard, which if you read the books... Yep, I was going to say. Cormier had war wizards that, was that their... were part of their arm or you know, part of their military. 
and her mother died under mysterious circumstances uh, because you're playing a D&D game, so of course... Somebody's got to be an orphan. Somebody's got to be. <laughs> she wasn't an orphan, though. Uh, she, Ezra suspected a cover-up, like some kind of internal betrayal within the War Wizards. Um, but her father, who was a very kind, uh, Joran Hollandale, a very... Uh, he was a dentist, a quiet, kind, and uh, unassuming fellow... Uh, took over caring for her. Really, he was sort of the uh, home caring, nurturing type, Got right? It. Good save, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, word, word, words. I'm wordsing. Anyway, um, so he, uh, she, however, personality wise, took more after her mother, um, and had a natural proclivity towards the study of magic, uh, but didn't have her mother's grit or uh ability to follow rules got it yeah 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 just not really good with that whole rule following thing authority figures <laughs> authority yeah, yeah following <laughs> orders none of that um so after her mother's death she had been she had been studying to become a war wizard to like follow her mother but after her mother's death uh, she became more entrenched in the seedier side of Suzerre, which is the capital, uh, showing an unusual penchant for gambling <laughs> while she tried to suss out who the betrayers were. Uh, she spent a lot of her time swindling and drinking and flirting. Gender was irrelevant to her interest. Uh, and she occasionally would sling a few spells when one of the above went wrong. Uh, she thought she was getting close to finding out who her uh, who was behind her mother's death when she ends up in uh well not Ravenloft but Barovia Barovia yes yeah. that's the word I'm looking for so she ends up in Barovia uh she actually had gone out um and ended up um carousing with some individuals and wakes up the next morning <laughs> in Barovia in Barovia holy shit that's got to be one of the worst hangover stories <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> So she's convinced that the, the she was getting too close to finding her mother's murderers and they engineered a way to get rid of her. And that was an elaborate way of doing so, I guess. I was going to say. <laughs> Maybe somebody owed Strahd a favor and like, here, I've got a warm body. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Take this toy. There's a snack. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, so what kind of. When you, if you picture her as an NPC, where do you picture people running into her? Because she's got a nice, a good long backstory gives you plenty of places to drop her. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I would say if you find her when she's younger, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she's either in uh, a brothel, a gambling establishment, a tavern, right. something like that. And just up to no good, generally. Like, she's cheating at cards. I took, like, the lucky feet and, <laughs> like, I... You're I, that person. Yes, <laughs> I am that person. Oh, my gosh, my DM was like, oh, God. At least this. she's not a divination wizard, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, it was funny. It was fun to like combine this war wizard. And so I took every like destructive spell I could find and then combined it with this like, this like uh, alcoholic gambling. <laughs> 
like like i i just ne- i i never saw a card game i could turn down like right. i liked risk yeah you know it was just like an interesting like sort of combination but but i really leaned into that doc holiday like for those of you who have seen tombstone and love and, it as dearly as i do and for those of you who have not you're either fix way it. too young just and, fix it yeah it, <laughs> It's streaming in like four places. You, you do it. Do yeah. do the thing because you will not regret it, and you will love, love, love all the characters. And Doc Holiday will just be goals for your your next NPC. That's, Absolutely that's amazing. Yeah. So she will be making deals. She'll be playing cards. Um, if you run into her later in life, uh, she's actually uh, she and a paladin of Illmater, Emmerich, have um, they are farming actually. They are, they started a winery. <laughs> Theoretically, it's in Barovia after we destroyed Strahd, but you know, details, you can stick it anywhere. Right, right. I like, uh, I, I like that though. Oh yeah, I was an adventurer once too. Yeah. Thanks. So that would be so good. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she's, a, she's, and, and she was planning on possibly opening her own college right. of, of magic. Um, which would have been fun. That oh my god, yes. Like gambling trickster magic or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know something. But but and yet you still like to just blow things up, right? <laughs> sure, you can go somewhere else and learn magic, but <laughs> you want to go running around through dusty books all day, oh, or do you want to come out to the pumpkin patch and let's practice blowing yeah. some shit up? Yes, it's hundred percent. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah, and and I gave her you know a, a pretty a deep. A deep accent, and she would talk like this, and so I was slinging spells and blowing things up. And Strahd was—he was not my friend. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. I love that. I love it. All right, what was her name again? Ezra. Ezra Hollandale. Ezra Hollandale. Mm-hmm. Um, she may be wandering around, hiding from you know the purple dragons. <laughs> uh, she may be in Barovia farming. Um, but a great character if you need a good NPC to kind of fill that wizard role. So like we do every episode, we're going to finish up with our Kickstarter roundup. So in today's Kickstarter roundup, uh, we have a 5e role-playing variant that we're going to talk about. Uh, we have a little card game, uh, drafting and uh, recipe building. And then we have a large uh, mini, like huge minis, uh, MOBA-inspired board game that we're going to finish up with. So let's kick it off with S5e, Super Heroic Role-Playing for 5th Edition. Uh, and it looks it is a guide for DMs and players um, who want to have a little bit of a comic feel to their game. Yeah, so this one looks really exciting. Uh, a lot of the art and stuff that they've posted um, is reminiscent of, I mean, straight out of comic books. Uh, it really gives um, kind of a different flair to 5e. Uh, I've always been fan of like kind of superheroes, uh, not just with the you know, all the stuff the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done recently, which has all been really good. Uh, but just in general, um, I think this is an interesting take on 5e, uh, building off of a system that I'm fairly familiar with. Um, it's one that I myself am looking to back. Uh, but uh, there's a couple different 
things as soon as you back it they have um, not only the core rule book but they also have like a setting book that comes with it um, uh, midnight city is the name of the the setting uh, but it basically turns your normal 5e game into a superhero villain um, type of game which i think there's just not enough of like i'm kind of excited to tell that story you know like like marvel has done you know tons and DC to some extent um, as well, making comics more accessible and stuff. But just to be able to sit and build your own, I think is really exciting. Like, because we've talked about before, you know, what superpower would you have? You know, now we get a chance to actually put it on the table. I think that is going to come out to be really good. Yeah. So this project is already funded. Um, In fact, it's well, well funded. It has 18 days left to go. So if you want to get on board, you know, for sure you're going to get it. Um, so there's a couple different tier levels. Um, the main one where you actually get access to the material starts at $25. Uh, you get a PDF version of the book as well as some couple add on things, some digital wallpapers and stretch goals, things like that. Um, for $50, you actually get a hard copy of the book, um, as well as a PDF version when that comes out. Um, there are some other tier levels that go up, um, as well. They're looking at delivery in February of 2022. Uh, so not too far away. Uh, but yeah, this definitely looks like one of those, um, I'm interested to see. Uh, it looks like it's going to be about a 300 plus page book. So pretty good size. Um, I mean, there's going to be quite a bit of content, quite a bit of rule changes, things like that to help facilitate this type of setting. The artwork, artwork looks really fantastic in it. Um, that comes with a, well, oh, the, the, so there's three books total that you can get your hands on. The augmented operative registry is a book full of supervillains, criminals, aliens, and monsters for your heroes to face off against. How many days it has, does it have? It's funded. So, and it's got 18 days left to go. All right. So the next one we want to talk about is a small, uh, card drafting recipe building game. Um, it's called potion panic. Um, it says concoction crafting for the chaotically inclined. Uh, it plays in about 20 to 30 minutes, two to four players. Uh, so looks to be about the size of um, some of the tiny Epic games. Right. Um, so something small, nice little filler game, or you can use it uh, while you're waiting for people maybe to show up for game night or something along those lines. Maybe you have another 20, 30 minutes to kill before everybody wants to go home. Um, looks like a nice, quick, family-friendly type game uh, where you are trying to build different recipes and potions. Um, so you get the various ingredients, and they've done a really good job. One of the things that attracted me to this was uh, they've done a really good job to make it accessible because uh, all the potions not only are different colors, but they're also different shapes. I see that. Uh, so, and on the recipe cards, they identify the potions you need to make them with not only the color, but also the shape of the potion that goes into it. So each recipe card is made by three different potions. And once you fulfill that recipe, you get the, the gems off of how good the recipe was. So, it's a nice little fun game. There's um, some different options you have. Instead of using the potions to craft, you can break them open, and each one has like a special ability that they use or that they do stuff with. So there's a little bit of take that as well. You can you know cause you could cause some of your opponents to discard cards um, as well as take cards away from them. 
so a lot of a lot of stuff here in a in a tiny little game. It looks like a nice little filler. One of those yeah. that uh, would be fun to pick up. Right. C- create curious concoctions such as the hoochie matcha and the banana rama, or even some love potion. <laughs> love potion number eight and a half. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So this one is also funded. No. Nope. No. Nope. It is. Uh, it's about fifty percent right now. It's at thirty three hundred. Their goal is seven grand, uh, and it has twenty four days left on it. So there are a couple levels you can support this one at. Um, so they actually have a nice print and play level, which is great for those who may be tight on money. Uh, three dollars gets you the PDF version where you can print and play your own. Um, to actually get the the copy of it with the retail is going to be 20 bucks plus shipping, which is not bad for a game like this. Um, it also includes a print and play version as well. Um, so if you wanted to make more copies of it or do whatever you need to there. Um, and then that's really the only level they have for normal backers. Right. Um, they have a level of for retail shops. Um, so that's one where you get six copies of it and are able to run from there. Uh, but this seems like a pretty interesting game, especially if you're looking for something kind of small and a nice little filler. Um, I think it's going to be a good one for that. Yeah, they're expecting to ship in September of 2021 or December if you do go with the retail uh, option. Right. And one of the things I like about this, it's a small independent publisher out of Chicago. Um, so, you know, we like to support small local businesses. So... Although Chicago is not local to us, it is local to maybe some of you. So here's a nice little business to support on Kickstarter uh, with one of their first games. And the last one that we have today is the Millennium War. It is a MOBA-inspired board game uh, that you can play in two different modes. The All the characters in the game are inspired by uh, different cultures around the world, different fantasy monsters. Uh, things like that. It really kind of um, it, it kind of reminds me of Smite, the uh, the video game where you right. can play different uh, characters that you know come from lore and different stories and stuff. But this is set up in a board game. It uh, like I said, it has two modes. You can play it competitively or cooperatively. In the competitive mode, the I guess the landscape is that there's a Millennium Gate that opens once every year or every so often. And now you have to build a team to go in and fight somebody else. So it's a one-on-one, a two-player game uh, in the competitive mode uh, where you try to either destroy all of your opponent's uh, creatures. You can destroy their um, monuments that they have on the field. Um, And what's the third way to win? Claim the Millennium Gate. So uh, it looks really good. It looks like there's a lot of options to it. Um, There are 35 unique heroes, all with their own set of uh, strategies and weapons and equipment that you can buy and uh, use on the table. So one of the things that I really like about this game um, is the basis for the miniatures. So first off, the miniatures are absolutely beautiful. They're well-sculpted. You know, the thing kind of things we expected in this day and age from a, a big Kickstarter project. But the bases on each of the heroes, first of all, they're magnetic. So that's, you know, just for starters. But they keep track. They have little health dials. 
um, as well as defense points and attack points. They all track on this one dial that then magnetically attaches to the base of that character. character So it, you don't have a bunch of like dials lying around. They're all nice and easy, right attached to the character you're talking about. So that, that right there is awesome. I, that's a really good quality of life upgrade. Um, for anyone who has played any games where you're trying to keep track of various units and things like that, um, that makes it nice and easy. Um, also the minis have interchangeable parts for customization. So if you don't really like the way one of them looks, or maybe you got some ideas to upgrade them, um, there are a lot of interchangeable parts for these miniatures. I think that's kind of one of the big selling points for this is it, it is a minis game. Uh, they are unpainted. It looks like, so for those of us that know how long that may take, they still look really good. Um, they look like real quality miniatures and with being able to customize them and make them look the way you want as far as like the equipment that they carry and things like that. I think that is a huge kind of, uh, you know, bonus for a game like this. So it has, it's not funded yet. Um, it's at just about 50,000. Their goal is 150,000. And there are 23 days left on the Kickstarter. So this game kind of reminds me of. Of Kingdom Death Monster. Um, So it was a game that was originally Kickstarter funded. Um, Large, huge game, big box, uh, expensive, that sort of thing. Um, But now has a almost cult like following. Uh, because of the type of game that it is and just the excellent work that was done with it. Um, just kind of the look and feel of this kind of reminds me of that. It's not it's a different genre of game, but the quality of the pieces and everything like that really, really speak to that. So we talked about the competitive mode. There's also a cooperative mode that looks like it has uh, several different boards that you can use depending on which cooperative game you're playing and it pits the players against some sort of epic monster that they have to solve puzzles to get to and then have to defeat this one looks really good like i said i like i like the interchangeable minis uh the base idea is fantastic to be able to set those up and keep track of everything um and again it's kind of inspired by like the moba video games the the massive uh, player games where you're not so much worried about, you know, accuracy and things like you would in a first person shooter, but it's all about strategy. Right. So League of Legends, Dota, those kind of games. Right. Um, but yeah, so pledge levels. Um, so core pledge level starts at one hundred and ten dollars. Um, so that includes basically the game, all the rule books. Um, now, this does not include the minis, which is one of the only drawbacks. Um but it does include fully acrylic standees of all the heroes. Um, and those are the art on those look excellent. Um, so if like you want to go with that, um, it's, it's definitely an option. They definitely are going to look good. Um, but the miniatures are completely, I think (laughs) they're over the top. So, um, now to get the miniatures plus a ton of other extra stuff, um, that pledge is $245. So this is probably the most expensive Kickstarter we've ever talked about. It is. Um, but the reason we wanted to talk about it is 
if you guys go follow the link in our show notes, go take a look at it. The detail on these miniatures are amazing. Um, I'm looking at one of them right now. Um, she appears to be an archer type character with these feathers coming off of her, her cape. And you can see like the individual, like small feathers within these long plumes coming off like that kind of, that kind of detail is absolutely crazy, especially in miniatures. Um, and there's a bunch of others on here that, I mean, the detail, the level of it on there is exceptional. All right. That looks really good. Again, go check it out. It is expensive. It may not be for everybody, but we found it and thought it was uh, incredibly interesting. So with that last vision card, we have guessed our ghost's murderer. And for the Dapper Meeple, I'm Jim. And I'm Josh. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at the Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.